If you have your Bibles, would you please go with me to Mark chapter 2. We've started this Mark series several weeks ago, and um, we've had several speakers since the last time I opened up this. Um, some guy dressed as John the Baptist came out and gave a message, if you remember that. And um, anyways, that, then I took a break for a while. Maybe you guys thought I was in trouble after that. But after we did the intro there, um, then we had Dr. Russ Bird come, and he did an excellent job giving the message regarding being um, a friend of Jesus, not just a fan or a follower, but being a friend of Jesus. And then we also had another guest speaker, Joshua Gillespie. He was here. Uh, he's from the Philippines, and um, he brought the message about these men that brought their friend in a mat and lowered him from the ceiling to meet Jesus, and Jesus encountered this man's life. And just powerful, uh, that story there. And then last week, Pastor Dave uh, led us into the message there with uh, Jesus calling the tax collector Matthew to follow him. And the, the setting there and how crazy that would have been to, to call this man who's a traitor to his own people. And Jesus says, I want to encounter that man's life. And then he begins to eat a meal with all these different tax collectors. Apparently the word got out. And these sinners and the Pharisees are disgusted by this. And they're questioning Jesus. Why does this man eat with these kinds of people? And Jesus says that he has come for those kinds of people that he's the one to bring healing into their life. And today we're in Mark chapter 2, uh, verses 18 through 22. Just about four verses here, but there's a lot happening. And um, so before we get into the Word, I think it's important to take some time to pray and ask the Lord to speak into our hearts and lives, and then we'll begin to unpack this particular passage. So would you pray with me as we get ready to start this service of ministry in the Word. Lord, we thank you. For this time together. Lord, I know your word is inspired, it's anointed, it's infallible, and Lord, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it speaks into our life. And I pray that your word would plant seeds in our hearts today, and Lord, that our hearts would be ready to receive and respond to what it is that you're saying. So we lift this to you. We ask your blessing upon this time, your blessing upon the children's ministry. Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not. Well, Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, if he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. And if he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. So that's where we'll stop with our our reading here, and the first thing to, to touch on is the fact that Jesus is being questioned. The question here is, why aren't your disciples fasting like the Pharisees and like John's disciples? It's interesting here, John the Baptist, he was a good man, right? And he was preparing the way for those that would follow Jesus. I think this is interesting. There were disciples of John that weren't exactly on the same page with who Jesus was. In fact, the parallel passage to this in Matthew, the Pharisees aren't even mentioned. It's just John's disciples. And they have some questions. 
And so to understand maybe where they're coming from, these Pharisees or these disciples who are religious people, they would fast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. Can you imagine doing that every week? Every Monday, you're going to refrain from eating food, and every Thursday, you're going to refrain from eating food. Because this is what we need to do as religious leaders. But the Scriptures only gave one day in which God was asking people to fast, and that was the Day of Atonement. But these Pharisees have added in a lot more rules and regulations. We need to do these things. Perhaps we'll earn God's favor. And there was even times where they were using it to kind of prop themselves up. Jesus talks about fasting in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, don't do it as the religious leaders do it. And they try to make a big show of it. Well, I'm, I'm fasting today. Oh, you're so spiritual. And we fast twice a week, actually. These guys were trying to elevate themselves. And so there's this Jesus who things are happening, and, and there's miracles that are starting to take place through this guy. He's got a group of followers that are uh, coming alongside of him, and, and these Pharisees who are a little put off by Jesus, they're going, no, wait a second, we fast. Why aren't your disciples fasting? They had a problem. These people weren't spiritual enough, and so they were trying to pick away at Jesus, they begin to question him. And Jesus' response is threefold. The first one is he talks about a wedding groom. Okay? He, he says, if you're at a wedding feast, a wedding banquet, all the food comes out, you're going to eat. It's a wedding banquet. Yeah. And in fact, you know, these laws that the religious elite had, fasting twice a week, they also had another rule. And the rule was, if you're at a wedding, eat up. Okay? So the fast was off. If you had a wedding plan, say on Monday or Thursday, and these weddings actually would go for a week, seven days. You could think of those religious leaders, I'm not eating today, I'm fasting. They, they had rules. They could eat at weddings. So Jesus says, when you're at a wedding, he goes, they cannot fast. He called them out on their own rule. The purpose of fasting is to seek the heart of God in a deeper way, to draw near to God in a deeper way. We refrain from, and it's not just food. People fast on a variety of things, but we say no to these things to spend more time seeking God and getting closer to God. You cannot get closer than if you had Jesus right there and you're following him and you're walking around. And he's saying, I'm the bridegroom. I am here. They're with me. There is no need to fast. This is as close as it gets. But there's a day coming when I will be gone. They'll need to fast then. And there is instructions for fasting. You know, the Day of Atonement wasn't the only day to fast. There's a variety of examples in the Bible where people were fasting. But hear me, the, the heart of fasting is to seek the heart of God. And I've heard it said this way, instead of thinking of fasting, you actually feast on the, on the Scriptures and, and on seeking the Lord. And we, we pray and we, we ask God to, to help us and guide us and lead us. We pray for specific things in the midst of a fast. I heard last night that the Puritans would liken fasting to uh, soul fattening because it's a time that we've set aside here to just go after the Lord. Well, how much more do you have to go after Jesus when he's standing right there and you're following him? And Jesus is saying, they don't need to fast right now. And he goes, let me also address a little bit of an issue here. And this is where we start to get into some of these illustrations and examples. The first one is the patched clothing. Jesus says people don't take a new patch and slap it on old clothing 
it'll fall off, it'll make the terror worse. Okay, how many of you have ever had that happen before? You patched clothes and it lasted for maybe a little while and then actually it got worse as things got worn out. Or that new patch that was put on begins to shrink. Jesus says that doesn't work. He goes on to say, and this is our, our verse for the week, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskin will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wineskins. Same idea, but here's what Jesus is trying to say with all of that. There's an old way of doing things. And there's a new way that's arrived. Touching on wineskins here for a second. In my mind, I think of a little pouch that's a personal pouch that you can have with you. And I think you fill that thing up with wine and there you go. But it, the, the understanding of wineskins goes so much deeper than that. And um, I'm just going to flat out tell you, I think we're all able to, 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 to take this in here. But uh, after slaying an animal, let's say like a sheep, they would actually take the hide of that animal and make it in a way that they could pour wine into the hide. Okay, And they would somehow close the legs of the hide, and they would begin to pour in and out through the, the neck of that skin. And they would let that hang there. And as the wine would begin to ferment, that, I mean, of course that, there's things that are happening with that hide, and they would transfer it from one carcass to another. And as that continues to, if you will, purify through that process. But the thing of it is, they'd understand this. And you don't just pour all that into an old wineskin because it will burst. And you see a guy sitting next to that. That's a lot of wine that would just be gone, plus the wineskin ruined. Jesus is saying you don't take the new wine and put it into an old wineskin. An old wineskin would be dried out, and it would not be able to hold that. It would burst. So Jesus is saying something very specific about what he has come to do. And there's a few different things I want to touch on with this. And so uh, bear with me here, but it's, it's with the word wine. And I'm going to walk through each of these, kind of our application points for today. Okay, the first point, I think, is a worldwide thing. There was an old covenant or an Old Testament way of doing things. And Jesus was bringing in a new covenant, a new testament. It's not going to be like the Old Testament. I come to make things new, and it comes through his blood, which wine happens to also represent. And Jesus is saying, I've come to do uh, this new thing, and it's worldwide. This, this has a, an impact for everybody from that point on. What are you going to do with Jesus? Okay, but there's also an individual application for each and every one of us. Where are we at in relationship with Jesus? Are we still stuck in the old ways? Or has Christ come and has he made things new? We're going to do a little bit of an illustration here. This morning to, to emphasize what Jesus is trying to say to these people who are questioning the whole process. And so the, for starters today, I have root beer with me. And I want us to just imagine the worldly pleasures that we're surrounded by day in and day out. And before I met Christ, boy, the worldly pleasures... They're delicious, right? I mean, it might sound like that's the wrong thing to say. We don't want the worldly pleasures. We want God's way, but here's the reality. Worldly pleasures, they, they have a way of drawing us because they, they, they're pleasing to us. They satisfy our uh, fleshly desires, and they, they just taste good. And the Bible says that sin has its joy for a season. But we, we just drink up. It's all about me. 
and all the ways I can try to gratify my flesh, and, and it just tastes good to us. But you know, if I had the steady diet of just this, I probably wouldn't have any teeth. I'd probably have gut rot and all that other stuff. But we think the world just tastes good. And so we go, I'll have a little more of that, please. That's delicious. Okay, the rest is for somebody who's a big root beer fan. Do we have anybody that wants a root beer right now? <laughs> Matt Nichols. I am not surprised on that one. Would you be willing to run that to Matt, please? Thank you very much. No belching, please. So this is the worldly pleasures, the, the root beer. I'm going to move over now to this chocolate milk. How many chocolate milk uh, people in it? come from brown cows, right? Yes. This is actually whole chocolate milk. Oh, yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, I'll volunteer for that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm going to break this open here. And, and this represents those religious leaders, those Pharisees, those disciples of John that, you know, they're trying to do things spiritually and, and we try to earn points and all that. And, and you know, it just kind of, there's a place that we elevate ourselves to, and boy, it tastes good. That's good right there. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> well, get your own milk and bring it to church. <laughs> ah. Yeah. That's good stuff right there. You know, the thing about the religious crowd... Um, they're kind of like your fat cats, right? There's a richness uh, to their desires. It's very filling, and, and they're just they're full of themselves, right? And so we, we like that. So we'll, we'll just have some milk there. Okay. Ryan Elbert just, he's like, whatever, man. All right. The half-gallon challenge right now. Would you be able to pass that back to Ryan, please? Thank you. And my last item here is orange juice. And this represents Jesus. Only Jesus. OJ. Only Jesus. Okay? <laughs> but the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? And so we begin to experience Christ. And man, is that good. How many of you like orange juice? Yeah. A lot of hands on that one. We taste his grace and his mercy. And you're like, this is amazing. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Here's the problem that Jesus is trying to address. These people had their ways of doing things. And Jesus is like, I'm coming to bring a whole new thing. Okay? You can't just take me and put a patch on whatever your life is. It's just not going to work. So what Jesus is saying is to those who are so stuck in worldly pleasures, Jesus is saying you can't have your worldly pleasures and then mix me into that thinking that everything's okay. And so we do those kinds of things. We, we bring Jesus into all our uh, things that we don't want to let go of, and we think this is great, right? Mmm. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Anybody want that? Yeah, yeah. Jesus says, I want you to die to the things of the world. I'm here to change your life, not be an addition to all the things that you still want to pursue. 
The other side of the fence is these Pharisees, these people who have all this religion going on. And people think, you know, I can still roll with that. Add in a little Jesus, whole lot of Jesus. Let's just finish that out. Hmm. Yeah. And we think that that concoction is pleasing to the Lord. And so, hmm. Ooh. Mm mm. Mm mm. That's that's not good. <laughs> the Bible says that our good works are like filthy rags to Him. If we think that we're somehow earning His favor because we, we do all of those nasty things, and there's an aftertaste with that, so just give me a second while I clear the palate. Mmm. Wow. Jesus is saying, I, did, I didn't come to be added into the old ways of life. He says, I came to make you a new creation. A whole new thing. The Bible says that in Christ we're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's what Jesus is wanting to do. Not this old way of doing things. He wants to make people a new creation. Dying to the world. Laying all your religious things aside and pursuing a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says it's by grace, through faith, that you and I are saved. And it's a gift from God and it's not by works so that no one can boast. And then... The Bible says that we are God's workmanship or masterpiece and we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's what I want us to understand what our good works are. Our good works should not be an extension of our self-righteousness. Our good works should be an extension of the grace of God flowing through our life. And the fact that He saved me. He took my old heart and gave me something new. He made me a new creation. The last point with this is that this is something, once I'm saved and I'm a new creation, God is with me and he's moving in my life every day. And you and I, we can get so stuck in our routines, in our comfort zones, in the way we've always done things, in traditions, all of that stuff that sometimes we can get so caught up in that that we can maybe miss a new thing that God is wanting to do in our life. You can be a new creation and still miss out on something that God is wanting to do. And so in that, I just ask the question, is there, is there things that God is wanting to do in our life? Are we open enough to receive that and to step in to whatever God might be asking us to do? Folks, we're blessed here today. I'm saving uh, a decent chunk of time here for us to receive some testimony. Okay, I think the timing of where we're at with our passage and the fact that we have two gentlemen from Romania who flew in to Minneapolis and they have been doing ministry to Ukrainian refugees. And this ministry was one of the three that we supported this past summer with resources to bless the, the ways in which they're doing things and to bless the people from Ukraine. And they emailed me and they said, Russ, while we're in the Twin Cities, can we just come down to the church to just simply say thank you? And I'm like, absolutely. And while you're here, <laughs> so they're going to share some testimony with you today. And so I'm going to invite both uh, Niku and Samuel Grigore to come forward, please. And folks, would you welcome them as they come forward? <laughs> uh, 
All right. How many of you remember these guys from last December, right? Yes. So um, as I'm navigating this message and I'm thinking about that God wants to bring new life to us, that we be a new creation, and he doesn't want this mixture of the, the worldly things or, or even the things that we feel are religious. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want to mess around with all that other stuff that we think is cute and, and we like. He wants to uh, deal with us and not have all this other stuff going on. Um, I recall a testimony of how Niku came to the Lord. And so Niku's going to share that with you today, translated not by me, by his son Samuel, and he's going to translate that for us today. And so let's just uh, draw our attention here to how Niku came to know the Lord. My name is Niku Grigore. I'm 59 years old. O soție minunată și patru copii frumoși. So my name is Nico Grigore. I had uh, uh, 59 years old. I have a beautiful family. I, I have a beautiful, beautiful wife and four kids. M-am născut uh, într-o familie ortodoxă, foarte religioasă. I was born in an orthodox family. They was traditional family. Aproape în fiecare duminică mergea la biserică. Every Sunday they was in the church, in Orthodox Church, the program. Căuta să implementeze și în viața mea tradiția ortodoxă. And my mom and my dad try to invest in my in my heart their tradition, Orthodox tradition. La 14 ani am avut un șoc când am mers în preajma Paștelui la confesiune. At 14 uh, years, I was uh, at a church uh, in the period of Easter time, and I was a little shocked when I in the church. Preotul ortodox m-a întrebat, ai mințit vreodată? Și am spus, da. Ai fost neascultător față de părinți și față de profesori? Da. La toate întrebările am răspuns cu da. And uh, this uh, priest, orthodox priest, asked me in the, their moment, Uh, did you lie in your life? I said yes. Did you do bad stuff in your life this year? I said yes. All of this question from the Orthodox priest. După care preotul ortodox a spus, cu puterea cu care am fost investit de Dumnezeu, îți iert toate păcatele. And after that, this uh, Orthodox priest told my dad, like uh, with uh, power who was invested by God, I will forget all your sins. Atunci am ieșit afară și am zis. Aici e ceva putrend, nu e, nu e bine. Nu cred că un om poate să ierte păcatele. Eu eram prieten cu băiatul preotului și cele mai mari prostii le făceam împreună cu el. And after that, I get out of the church and I said, something is wrong here. It can be like one man can forget your sin. And that was my, the problem because I was a friend with his children. And together we made all this scene. And for me it was like, if I'm a friend with his children, I can go at his home to ask him to forget all my sin, all the time when I need that. Și atunci am zis, vreau să întrezi viața altfel, vreau să fiu fericit. Ca să fiu fericit, trebuie să am bani, trebuie să am o poziție și să am o soție frumoasă. And I said, okay, I, I don't want to find my happiness in the church, I want to find my happiness in this world and for that I need to have a good position at work I need to have money and family. În timpul în anul 3 de facultate am cunoscut o pe Lucreția și după un an de zile de relație ne-am căsătorit. So in the last year of my college I met my wife Lucreția and after one year together we married. La nuntă am primit cadou o Biblie. At our wedding we receive a gift, a Bible. M-am uitat la ea, zic frumoasă, am luat-o și am pus-o în bibliotecă, am zis că e bine să fie în casa fiecărui om o Biblie, o astfel And de carte. And when I saw this gift, I said, okay, it's a good to have this Bible in your house. It's not danger for us. Am terminat facultatea, la un moment dat am ajuns pe o poziție lider de sindicat la regionala CFR Galați, o regională cu 15.000 de angajați. 
So after that, uh, when I finished my college, uh, I, w I get a new position uh, at uh, Trade Union in uh, Galatz, in Romania. And uh, this uh, area was uh, 15,000 employers. So they put me the, the director to this 15,000. And I was happy. Aveam poziții, aveam bani, aveam o soție minunată, dar nu eram fericit. So now I had a good job because I was a director. I had a, uh, a lot of money. I had a wife, but I wasn't happy. Într-o zi de miercuri, când m-am întors acasă, am găsit-o pe Lucreția foarte bucuroasă, îi strălucea fața de fericire și am întrebat-o ce s-a întâmplat. So uh, one day, at Wednesday, I get home and I find my wife totally changes and uh, his face was light and I ask her what happened with you and she answered me today I received Jesus in my life so I, I answer her I know all of this stuff about Christian, about this stuff with Bible, so get me in peace with that. I don't care about that. Dar viața ei s-a schimbat complet, radical. But I saw how his life was changes radically. După ceva timp, am luat Noul Testament la servici să-l citesc. So, if I saw some uh, this thing in, he, in her life, I start to, to read the New Testament at work. După ce l-am citit, am venit acasă și am spus, să știi că hotărârea pe care ai luat-o e foarte bună. Uite, am citit Noul Testament și cred că tu ai luat o hotărâre bună și înțeleaptă. So, when I, uh, when I finish it to read the New Testament, I get uh, to told, told her, uh, you know, I read the New Testament and now I discover like what you did is good, is good for you. Și soția mea a spus, Măi, poți, dacă acum dacă ai citit Noul Testament, poți să-l primești și tu pe Iisus în inima ta. Uite aici o broșură și este un model de rugăciune. Roagă-te. So, my wife told me like, okay, if you read it, the New Testament, you can also pray to invite Jesus in your heart. And she, uh, she showed me a track with one model of prayer and she put me to prayer. Am luat broșura, m-am uitat, am citit rugăciunea și apoi m-am rugat să-l primesc pe Iisus în inimă. So I read this model of the prayer and I prayed this model. Cumva am devenit un pic mai religios, am început să merg cu soția la biserică, chiar uh, au fost momente în care am postit împreună cu ea. So uh, with this uh, act, uh, I started to go with her in the church every Sunday, sometimes we fasting together. Dar într-una din zile, în timp ce serveam un pahar de whisky, mi-am aprins țigarea și Lucreția a venit la mine și a început să plângă și m-a întrebat, ce faci? And uh, one day when uh, we had uh, our dinner together in the night, uh, I was, uh, after the dinner, I uh, decided to drink a little whisky and also I, uh, I put my smoke uh, and I started to smoke and my wife, When she saw me, like she started crying and asked me, "What's happening now with you?" She said, "Ce să fac? Fumez, beau un pahar de whisky. Care e problema?" So I I don't understand you. My dad answered to my mom, like uh, I don't understand you. Why you ask me that? Just I smoke one cigarette and I drink one glass with whisky. She a plâncea, și mi-a spus, Nicole. Tu nu ai fost sincer cu Dumnezeu. Atunci când Iisus Hristos intră în viața unui om, îi transformă viața. Tu nu ai fost sincer nici cu tine, nici cu Dumnezeu. And uh, Lucrecia told me like, uh, when you pray to invite Jesus to come in your heart, I think you, you wasn't honest with that. Like, we didn't ask God with all your heart. Because when God, when God sent Jesus in your heart, Your heart will be changed totally. Din acel, mo din acel moment și Dumnezeu a început să-mi vorbească și avea, auzeam la nivelul minții câteva cuvinte. Ori de tot, ori deloc. Ori de tot, ori deloc. La început nu știam ce înseamnă asta, dar pe urmă mi-am dat seama. Ori îl primesc pe Iisus de tot, 
ori deloc, pentru că eu i-am răspuns soției, știi, l-am primit pe Iisus în viața mea, dar eu sunt cu viața mea, el e cu treaba lui, dar el face parte din viața mea. So I answered to my wife like, yeah, I, I received Jesus, I, I have my life, he's with me, I add him at my life, so I live like I want. But start with this moment, uh, I, I uh, received something from God, like uh, God told me all the time, you have to, to receive me all or you can live out of me. Am luat Biblia și am citit toată Biblia și am zis că aici trebuie să găsesc adevărul. And uh, I said, okay, now I have to read all the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And I started to read it. După ce am citit toată Biblia, m-am așezat în genunchi, am luat Biblia în mână și am zis, Doamne, îți dau 30 de zile ca Tu să mă transform cum ai transformat-o pe soție. Dacă în 30 de zile Tu mă nu mă transformi, înseamnă că această carte nu e adevărată și Tu nu existi. And after uh, I read the Bible, I took the Bible and I said, I, I start to pray and I say, God, uh, I want to be changed like my wife. And uh, I want to give you 30 days to ch- do this change in my life. And if you don't will do that in my life, that means you are not exist and I don't want to live with you anymore. Dumnezeu nu are nevoie de 30 de zile, nici de 3 minute, nici de 3 secunde, are nevoie doar de câteva fracțiuni sincere din inimă. So uh, God don't need to, to have 30 days, 3 minutes or 3 seconds. He needs just to be honest with him and to ask him like Când God come in my heart. Acolo pe genunchi am mai spus ceva. Doamne, dacă tu mă transformi, îți promit că te voi sluji toată viața. And also I add something in my prayer in that time and I say God, if you will in in my life, I will give you all my life. You când m-a ridicat după genunchi, am început să gândesc altfel. So when I finished this prayer, I start to think differently. M-am dus, am luat cartușile de țigări, le-am rupt și le-am aruncat la gunoi. I go to take all the package with cigarettes, I broke them and I put in the garbage. M-am dus, am luat sticklele cu whisky și am, le-am aruncat pe toate la toaletă. And also I get all the the battle with uh, alcohol and I put on the bed, on uh, the, um, the toilet, yeah. mi-a zis, ce faci, arunci bani. And my wife asked me, what are you doing now? You, you broke your money for that? So your friend vi- will o come o here. O să vină prietenii tăi la tine. Ce o să le dai să bea? Your friends will come to visit you. What you will give them if you broke all this stuff? De azi înainte, ce voi bea eu, le voi da și lor. But I told my wife, if uh, start with this day, if I not, if I don't want to drink that and I don't want to smoke, they have to be the same like me because they come in my house. După trei zile, directorul general a făcut o ședință și ne-a chemat pe toți directorii la ședință. And after three days of that, my director, general director, uh, put us all the director in the meeting together and this director asked me some question. Nicule, de trei zile, tu nu mai fumezi împreună cu noi, nu mai bei împreună cu noi, nu mai joci poker și table împreună cu noi. Ce s-a întâmplat cu tine? And my director asked me, what's happening with you? Because in these three days, you didn't play at poker with us, we didn't drink with us, and we didn't de- did what we did in the past with us. What is wrong with you? Acum trei zile m-am împăcat cu Dumnezeu. Dar ce mă, erai certat cu Dumnezeu? And I told him like uh, three days ago, uh, I made peace with God. And he told me like, but you was fighting with God or what? What was the issue between you and God? S-a ridicat în picioare și a răgnit. Te-ai dus la sectanți după soția ta. So, uh, he get up and told me like, uh, you are lost now, you are with Christian church, so someone maybe brush your brain, wash your brain, or something like that. Și i-am spus, uh, eu nu m-am dus nicăieri, am luat Biblia, am citit-o și dacă vreți vă dau și dumneavoastră una. And I told, I answered him, no, just I read this, this Bible and if you want, I can give you also to read it. Uh, după șase luni de zile, vecina din față a bătut la ușă. After six months of this event, 
my neighbor stuck uh, knock at our door. Și a zis, vecine, ce s-a întâmplat? Că până acum șase luni auzeam muzică la maxim, auzeam certuri și de șase luni e liniște ca de mormânt. Ce s-a întâmplat? So, this neighbor asked us, like, what happening in your family? Because in these six months, maybe someone died or something like that. Because in this period, you didn't listen music louder, you didn't fighting with your wife, and we, we hear you louder or something like that. What is wrong with you in this period? Nu știam așa multe lucruri din Biblie, multă teologie, că îi spuneam că omul vechi a murit, dar i-am spus că acum șase luni m-am împăcat cu Dumnezeu. So, I, I can answer like a Christian, like the old man die, but just I answer her, uh, I received God six months ago. Și ea mi-a zis, unde plecați în fiecare duminică? And she asked us, where you go every Sunday morning? Uite la biserică. Și the church. Pot să merg și eu duminica viitoare? And she asked, I can come next uh, Sunday with you? A mers, s-a întors la Dumnezeu, a adus-o și păstora ei și a adus și nepoții și este și azi în biserică. So, after that, she come with my parents at the church, she remain in the church like a Christian and she get uh, their sister and their nephews in the church and she is in the church now today. După un an de zile, Dumnezeu mi-a vorbit și mi-a spus, mi-a spus că dacă te transform o să-mi slujești. Și eu am zis, da, dar uite, vreau să mai îmi promis că îmi împlinești trei dorințe. So, after one year, God talked with me and remembered me, like, Nicu, you remember, you promised me something, you will give me all your life, so I want for you to work for me. And I said, okay, God, uh, I will do that, but to do that, you have to ma- make for me three, three things. And if you complete all of these three, I will, I will be in your, in your ministry. Una din condiții, credeam că nu o să o împlinească niciodată. And in one of these things was impossible to complete. I-am spus, Doamne, ca să le vorbesc altor oameni, am nevoie de pregătire și de aceea te rog ca tu să înființezi un institut teologic ca eu să mă pregătesc. Nu exista un institut teologic atunci în România. So in that moment, uh, when God uh, asked me that, uh, one of these things what uh, I asked God was, uh, God, if you want me in uh, ministry with you, I have to be prepared and I have to go in college to, to learn about you, to learn how I can share with people your gospel and to understand better this, this gospel. But what was uh, difficult uh, in that time was we didn't have like college in Romania. We didn't have something like that. So for me it was, ah, we don't have that, so I ask you to give me that, so it's impossible, because we don't have. Într-un an de zile, am fost înștiințat că se va înființa Institutul Teologic Timoteus, și dacă vreau să fiu parte din prima generație. But uh, that was my thought, but God, in one year, he started a new college in Bucharest, close to me, <laughs> college like that, the name is Timoteus. M-am dus, am luat, mi-am dat seama că Dumnezeu mi-a răspuns, am vorbit cu soția și i-am spus ce i-am promis lui Dumnezeu, mi-am dat demisia și într-o zi de luni m-am dus cu demisia la, la directorul general și am spus, asta e demisia mea, nu o să mai lucrez aici. And uh, one day, after I saw all of this change, what God did in, our, in my life, I said, ok, so I have to finish my job now and... I have to wait to see what God want for me. Direct. And one day I got at my boss with my demission and I said I want to cut my job now. I want to fire me. Directorul general m-a întrebat unde te duci? Toți care pleacă de aici se duc mai sus, mai bine, la minister. And my director asked me, "Where you go now? I know uh, every people, every director who passed from this company, he go other better company. So where will you go now?" What will be your salary now? And this, nu știu. Dumnezeu va decide. And I answer him, I don't know where. God will provide something for me. Zice, Ești nebun. And he told me, you are crazy, you know? You can go. Asta era, asta era lunea. Marți dimineața la ora 9 am primit un telefon și mi s-a comunicat 
Vineri, la ora 9, vă rog să fiți la biserica de pe strada Gurghiului numărul 12. Și am întrebat de ce. A închis telefonul. So that was with my director, this, um, this meet with my director was Monday. And Tuesday morning I received a call from someone, I don't know who was there. And they asked me like, this Friday you have to go in this church, on this street to come at interview. And I asked them for what? And they closed the, the call. Am vorbit cu soția și soția mea a zis, păi poate Dumnezeu a vorbit. Du-te să vezi despre ce e vorba. And I shared with my wife what's happening and she told me like, you, Friday you have to go there to see what will be. So maybe God wants something for you. M-am dus, am dat un interviu și de atunci am fost angajat misionar la Alianța Evanghelică din România. So I was there, I passed an interview and between with Friday I started to work with Evangelical Alliance in Romania. Iar din 2001 sunt la CRU. And uh, between with uh, 2001, I start to be a missionary with crew Romania. You know, for Niku's life, I think he had both of those into one right there, right? And uh, between the worldly pleasures and the religious thoughts that he had and the ways in which he was operating, um, but God broke through, made him a new creation. And um, when I mentioned earlier about how now that you're a new creation, what's next? God is doing things in our life, and sometimes he calls us or leads us to things that are totally new, and we're going, Lord, I don't even know what to do here. I mean, to quit your job, and then your boss goes, Well, what are you going to do, you know? I don't know. <laughs> But he's going to step into that trusting that God has uh, something for him. Now, I'm going to just share a little bit about what has uh, been going on for them uh, this past year. Romania is a neighbor country to Ukraine. And so um, I'm just going to share this a little bit. Um, and then, um, you know, hopefully I cover all the bases here. But they were telling me they were fasting and praying in February for the vision that God would have for them for the upcoming year. And so they go through that whole process, and then shortly after that, the war breaks out. And now there's just all kinds of chaos and things going on. And they, at that point, um, are starting to get this influx of refugees that start showing up uh, to their ministry. And, and there came a point where they, they said, We got to act now. It's not like we can act five years from now and expect these people to be present needing our help. And so for them, just with open hands, Lord, we just want to be available and to be used by you, even if it's a totally new thing outside our comfort zone, outside of our, our routine and things like that. And they have seen incredible ministry taking place in and through their team there in Romania. And they've had a number of individuals Um, that have expressed their thanks to them for open arms to receive them as they're leaving a war-torn country and coming to a place of safety. And um, they told me one family had gone to Ireland, and the kids uh, in that family said, we want to go back to Romania. We like those people. And so the love of Jesus is working through them, and, and one lady even coming to a place uh, of saying, I, I want to trust in the Lord and, and surrender my life to him. And, um, you know, so seeing people come to know the Lord, there was even a moment where you said that um, just recently talking about forgiveness and for Ukrainians, how do you forgive uh, Vladimir? How do you forgive uh, these soldiers who have taken lives of people that you know? And so they've been kind of walking through that with them, a very tough and difficult topic, as you can probably imagine, of these people who have basically ruined their lives, but we need to address these things in a spiritual way. And um, so they have a video, and I'm actually, what we're going to do is we're going to send that video out to you to your email address, and this video is just a recap of some of the things that they've been doing. Um, and at one point on their campus, you see these like pods, like a, uh, you'd have on the back of a truck, and they can just drop it off. These pods are like apartments, And they just lined them up right on their campus to welcome in 
these refugees and to be able to serve them and love them. And we, the, the daycare and the preschool, these are things that they're trying to do for these refugee families uh, to try to be the love of Jesus Christ to them as they're coming into their country. They wanted to come to say thank you. And so, guys, thank you for everything that you are doing to be the hands and feet of Christ. Mulțumim pentru rugăciunile noastre. Am simțit puterea rugăciune. În scrisori spunem numai poveștile frumoase, dar să știți că sunt și probleme între refugiați. Și atunci noi vedem puterea rugăciunii noastre. Și mulțumim și pentru suportul financiar. We really want to thank you, and it's an honor and privilege for us to be here with you this morning and to thank you for your support, for your prayer. And uh, in our prayer letter, we share about a good story with refugees. We didn't share about what's happening with fighting. We have some fighting each other, but we really want to thank you because we feel this prayer in our back. And Uh, we ask you to continue to pray it for us and for refugees, and thank yes. you for this. Yeah, when we close the service, we'll pray over them. Um, one component uh, of the protection of God over uh, their circumstances, um, Samuel tried to go into the country of Ukraine with a van load of supplies, and there was a couple of vans, but they had gotten stopped at the border, and the border patrol actually took all the supplies that were donated for these churches that they had in Ukraine, They just took all their supplies and sent them uh, on their way. And it was very frustrating. And, and Samuel said, why, Lord, would you send us in there to have that happen when there's donated items that we were trying to get to this church? And Samuel found out, it was just a few days later, um, there was actually a, a drone strike on the path that he would have been taking um, with the van. And so in the midst of that, you see God going ahead of them, even in a situation like that, and you're going, God, what are you doing here? God's going, I'm sparing your life. Um, and God is sovereign, he's in control, and he's watching out for you guys as you lean in to minister to these people. If you'd like more of their information, uh, there's a table in the back, they've got some pamphlets there, you're welcome to connect with them after the service. And so I'm going to ask everybody to just stand right now as we get ready to close our time. Would you pray with me? as we close this service today. Father, we thank you for what your spirit was doing in and through this service today. And I thank you for both Samuel and Niku and their families and their team of people who are ministering to so many and as of late ministering to these Ukrainian refugees and their family. And we ask that the gospel would go forth with great power and you would continue to pour out new wine into their ministry, Lord, that the things you're wanting to do, they might be new, they might be scary, there might be questions, there's an unknown, but Lord, I pray that you would do it and that you would bring new wine out of their ministry and bring new wine out of our lives, that we would be ready, Lord, to do what it is that you're asking us to do, even if it's hard or difficult, Lord, we lift that to you. We ask for your protection and blessing upon the Gregores and their team and the people over in Romania and also in Ukraine. Lord, please move upon those circumstances. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing of having them here. They stopped in to say thank you, but Lord, they blessed us today by sharing the testimony of God's grace in their life. We ask that you would be with them. Father, be with us this week. We thank you for the tithe and the offering. Please use it to advance your kingdom. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.